0: three on the near post. Good save again, there it's gone in. It. And this time, Kevin Moran has the luck
1: on his side. In from Robson. And that's Stapleton. And that's Moran. And United going front. Seventh
2: corner in the second half. Stapleton getting in there. And Moran.
1: And now it is all over. Hello, and welcome back to another Manchester United podcast. Thank you for that, Maisie. How are you?
2: All good. All good. Just had me a chocolate, uh, whatever they're called.
1: Pan au chocolat.
2: Pan au chocolat. Very nice. nice. Nice little
1: start of the day here was, at yeah. Old Trafford. Because I feel like we haven't done a podcast here for ages. We've been on the road everywhere, haven't we? So it's nice to be home.
2: Good to be home. Yeah. The Pitch is looking are, good. They're out there mowing the lawn. New stands. Another 2,000 and... Two and a half thousand is something like that, standing, so happy days, the place is looking good.
1: Do they relay the pitch every year?
2: Yeah, they rip it up after the season, so yeah, be a new turf.
1: New season, new turf. Uh, have you had a good few weeks, Maisie?
2: I have, yeah, bit of golf and obviously a bit of golf.
1: Nothing changes.
2: So yeah, looking forward to the start of the season, can't wait.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, thank you for good. asking.
2: We're on, our, we're, on our, we're on our own here together today. I
1: Sam's not here. No, Sam. so it's just the two of us.
2: Just the two of us.
1: Oh, I was Come nearly on. going to sing. I can't. I Come can't. On I
2: can't. <laughs> we can make it if we try. <laughs> I
1: can't. I'm just, I'm just a really bad singer. Anyway, Kevin Moran today.
2: Kev, legend.
1: He used to be on MUTV a lot. Great guy.
2: Unbelievable guy, yes. Blackburn was his last club. Yeah, and I was just a young whippersnapper coming through, and uh, Kev taught me probably everything I know about football.
1: Oh, wow. That's our, a big our, statement. the last
2: two or three podcasts, we've had two of the most influential players on the podcast, one being Bruce and this one being Kev
1: talking of brucey actually that's where we sealed the deal to get kevin on the podcast i know you'd asked him and then we bumped into I, him at the mayor whenever we were recording brucey's podcast so. yeah
2: i asked him and he said no tasker asked him said no and then we meet him at the mayor and he said yes so
1: here, and he here we are <laughs> kevin moran Kevin Moran, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. It's been a couple of years in the waiting, but we are delighted to have you here.
0: Lovely to be here, Helen. Good, it's good to, to see
2: Maisie you. as well. I know. Long When time was the so last
1: time? I'm sure you two have met on the golf course, surely? Well, on the golf course, just recently, i Dunham done
2: Yes, we're we did. The, yeah, we did the for United. the foundation. Yeah, for the
0: foundation. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, we didn't play together, but we were in the same room. Yeah, which was nice. Oh, it's good to see Kev.
1: Well, we are delighted to have you on. When was the last time you were at Old Trafford, in any capacity?
0: Oh, probably the last game of the season.
1: Oh, so you're still coming regularly? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I've got two season tickets on the...
1: <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the west south west stand. stand, north stand, north
0: stand. North stand, north, south, east and west on the north stand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two tickets on the north stand. Who do you usually take to games then?
0: Um, I take my son, James. Yeah. It used to be my wife, Eleanor. We always went and then my son moved up uh, north and uh, he's a big United fan. So we end up, the two of us going, so it's great.
1: So just the two of you come. Well, how lovely to have you here for the podcast in this capacity. I know you do come on match days. What are you doing at the minute? What, what's life like?
0: Life is very enjoyable at the moment because I would say I'm retired. I've had some business interests uh, very much in Ireland with a, a sports surgery clinic over there, but that's just moved on now. And um, I've got other business interests in terms of property or management, etc. But in general terms, I would say um. 95% Retard. retired.
1: <laughs> so that involves a lot of golf, looking after grandchildren. Is that the kind of thing you're doing? That is
0: very true. I've got three gorgeous grandchildren that live near me and one down in London, which is uh-huh. lovely to go pop down to and see as well. So, very fortunate to have four. And as you say, playing a bit of golf, but mainly, you know, my wife and I, we like to go away and a few holidays here and there. So we get the opportunity to do that every now and then.
1: Well, exactly. You're just right.
2: Such a hard life. Isn't such it a lives. hard life. Just I know you've got a really hard life, really hard life too, yeah. Maisie, don't you? <laughs> That's centre else for
1: <laughs> This is what I love about players who've played for Manchester United, even though if you've not played together and there's a slight crossover, everybody knows each other. It's like a Manchester United family. It's such a cliche, but it's true. Maisie, what are your memories of watching Kevin play, maybe when you were younger?
2: I think the the biggest one would be the FA Cup sending off. Um, But prior to that, obviously playing in semi-finals, watching him play, um, being stretched off, giving the thumbs up to the the crowd, just something that you wouldn't see today. You know, you talk about tough centre-halves. He's got to be in the top one, I would say. (laughs) Certainly. Um, Leader. Organiser, obviously, I, pl- I spent a couple of years with him at Blackburn, and and I would say, Kev, you taught me so much in those first two two years, three years of my career that I took into the rest of my career.
0: It's it's interesting to say that because as you get older in the game, and you've known that now yourself as well, yeah. the experience you gain, you mm-hmm. pass it on, and I can always remember that even to other younger players, trying to get them to listen and take on board what you're saying, and sometimes they don't. They just can't take it in at that particular yeah. age. And I remember one or two coming back to me when they were in their thirties and saying, I remember you telling me this and telling me that and you were spot on, but at the time I just wasn't yeah. you know able to take it in then as well. But I remember you. You were really at even a Blackburn overs, you always wanted to listen and to learn. And that's the reason why
1: you what, moved. Well, this is like a whole new David May I'm listening about. I know, but he was a kid
0: Really? It's, 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 once he I was like of, a sponge. I just, I just of, absorbed
2: everything. Once he got out
0: of those short pants <laughs> and became a man, that was it, he didn't listen to anybody else after that.
2: <laughs> no, uh, even even after games, you'd, you'd pull me to one side in the bar and you'd say, why did you do that? What did you do that for and And I'd be like, well, and then you'd go. But if you did that, then you should have done that. And if you should have done that, then you did that. Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean... You're learning from the best, so. But, yeah. And and having spoken to Shazie over the last five, six, seven, eight years, as you said, I was coming towards the end of my career at United. I would give that same information to Shazie and to Wes. And the pair of them say the same thing. It's amazing.
0: Well, Well, When I came to United, I had a similar situation. You know, at that time, then, there was... Gordon McQueen, God rest him, passed away there recently, yeah. and of course Martin Buchan. So I had two great guys to learn from in the centre back position. But then, apart from that as well, i who I thought was a huge help to me was Ray Wilkins at the time. Mm-hmm. Ray was brilliant. You know what I mean? I, you know, in helping me and talking to me because I was so naive. You know, when I came yeah. over, I had an awful lot to learn because I came from a Gaelic, the mm-hmm. Gaelic football background, and therefore I had to listen then as well. Uh, you know, and, and learn, you know, and I was so grateful to all those players as well, you know, that included like, especially Frank Stapleton as mm-hmm. well and Brian Robson then as well when Brian came. But you do, you've got to listen and want to learn. Yeah. You know, more than anything
2: Absolutely. Else.
1: This is great advice for any young player listening to the podcast because you don't know everything when you're young. You think you do, don't you, whenever you're late teens, early twenties, uh, but you really
0: You really don't. don't. Spot on, <laughs> Helen. And that's the part, more than anything else, to get through to the young people. You don't know it. And I'd always say as well, while while you're playing, if you don't look at yourself every year and go, am I not a better player this year than I was last year? You're going backwards. Because every year you should be saying to yourself, I've got better. Because in many ways you're learning more, you know, because the whole thing about this game is about experience and gaining as much experience and as quickly as you can. And And you gain that through through the amount of games you play and the years you play then as well. So you should all the time be getting better as the years go on. Now, you get to a certain stage where the legs mightn't be as good as they should have been, but the head gets an awful lot better.
1: Yeah, and you can make up a lot for speed in your brain can't you? when you're reading the game. Uh, This is all coming from you, who actually only started playing football at 14.
0: That's great. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, you had a lot of sporting experience before that. But to actually only start playing football at 14 yeah. blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, I
0: started playing football. On the, you always played on the streets and in the park, yeah. that sort of thing, but never at an organised level. And I joined a team called Rangers from Bushy Park in Dublin. and They were a really good team. You know what I mean? And uh, so I learned an awful lot in there to be playing with such good players. And, you know, we we won a few leagues and that sort of situation. But I must admit, yeah, I was a bit late coming on, on board then, but... I was playing Gaelic football at the time, and
2: that was the priority. Kev, okay, for all those listeners out across the world, what's the difference between football and Gaelic football?
0: Oh Well, they often say sometimes Gaelic football is a bit of a combination of Aussie rules. Now, the international, they wouldn't know too much easier about Aussie yeah. rules. But it's played with the same ball as in football. Mm-hmm. The, the pitch is an awful lot bigger. It's about 160 yards by 110. Um, it's uh, it's a rectangular uh Size pitch and it's 15 a side, and everybody can catch the ball, all right? So, therefore, you can catch it and kick it, and you can solo the ball. You can't just run with it to define how you tackle is a little bit obscure because you know you'd have to see the game to to, yeah, know, yeah, have yeah. to stop people doing it. But so that's generally um, 15 a side. And scoring, scoring there's a, a goal is three points, and over the bar is um, one point.
2: So, the they actual like. Rugby Ruby, goals. Correct, yeah, they yeah, yeah.
1: Like rugby goals. And what was life like growing up for you? I know you were one of eight, is that right?
0: Yeah, one of eight.
1: Typical Irish family. Exactly, <laughs> yeah.
0: Five brothers and two sisters at the time. So what was life growing up? You just found that you, you were allowed to get on with your own life yourself. You know what I mean? My mother and father, they worked very hard. Um, I was 13 when my father passed away. So my mother was, the, was awesome. Yeah. She was an awesome woman who brought us all up then as well. And she had a business to run then as well. So, you know, you hadn't got time to, you know, to be looking for attention or anything like that. But you were left to have, we had what kids probably don't have these days and it's called freedom. Yeah, Um, we we were just allowed to be gone for the days when when the summer was there and you just looked after yourself and you got on with it and nobody asked where you were you always arrived home.
1: (laughs) It's a different world now. It's so different for children, isn't it? It is so different, yes. Yeah. Don't even let my child, I wouldn't let her walk. To the shop by yourself? Yeah. I mean, yes. you think about it, how independent you were at what age 10? You could do everything for yourself? Do
0: everything. You know, you cycled into town from where we lived in Rialto, right to the city centre. You did messages, you did chores, you went down to the, the Liffey to, to go to the wholesalers for my mum. And, you know, and, and it was just go and do that job, go do that job, go do that job. It wasn't like, can you
2: do it? Yeah, yeah. You it just go and do it. Go yeah. do it, yeah. What was your, so like, into football then? So you did Gaelic football? Yeah. When did you decide to change?
0: Well, you didn't. You, you played, as Helen mentioned, I started playing um, football at 14 with yeah. Rangers. So th- they play on a Saturday. So Gaelic football was played during the week in school. Mm-hmm. right? So you played it all during the week school and then come Saturday you played with Rangers and then maybe Sunday I would have played maybe club football or something like that with playing Gaelic football. So you were all the time had a pair of boots on seven days a week mm-hmm. but playing different playing different um, games then.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you mentioned that you changed another school and that's whenever football, as we know became more into your life.
0: Yeah, it came into my life then, yeah, when when we we moved house and up to Walkenstown. And um, from the Castle School, I started there as well. And and that's where I kind of uh, grew up playing my football then as well, Mm -hmm. both Gaelic football and, and soccer.
1: Did you watch football, soccer on TV as a child?
0: We had match of the day. Yeah, that was it, really. As uh, as well, I remember saying, in "The family, different people had different teams." You know what I mean? And my eldest brother Brendan, um, he'd Queens Park Rangers, and then Martin had United. My brother Ray was next. He'd Nottingham Forest at that time, and then I came next, and United was i had Liverpool then. So it was Ernie I to get some stick <laughs> over that now? And then I went down through the other kids then as well. That's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: But it wasn't like a massive thing in your family. You would all sit around watching no. games. Maybe you'd watch the FA Cup final on TV because yeah, that obviously was just a spectacle. About watched
0: that. But no, it, it wasn't a massive thing at all. You know, mm. I'd, sooner, I'd sooner play the game than, than watch the game. Then even back then, mm-hmm. an interesting scene at, at Trimley Castle. When I was doing my leaving cert, which is the equivalent of the A levels, who sat beside me in, in class was a fellow called Jerry Ryan. We were in the same class, same school. We played football together. We played for Rangers team together as well. And that was in 1973, right? Who would have thought that 10 years later, almost to the year, to the month from us, you know, sitting in that class, doing our A-levels or the equivalent of that. We would have played against each other in an FA Cup final. He played for Brighton. Wow. And he played. He came on and played in, in the, um, the replay. He came on then in that particular game. That's I just thought it was amazing. It? Ten years on, seventy-three were sitting beside each other in class in Dublin. Yeah, and somebody just say ten years later, you you're going to play against each other. And you both probably
1: had played Gaelic football for like oh, yeah, four, fourteen Gaelic. years before that, and, and there I, you are oh, yeah, in the yeah, FA Cup final. We were,
0: we we're all playing Gaelic football then as well.
1: <gasps> wow, that's absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, tell us about the actual journey to. I know we're obviously skipping out some stuff here, but when you got the call from Manchester United, got the interest and then we'll come back to the Gaelic because it all gets quite confusing. You were basically playing two (laughs) professional sports at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one's not professional. professional,
0: (laughs) It's ironic when I was concentrating on one, the other jumped into place. Right? So if if I think back at the time, I'll go back to 1975 when I, I went to America with a friend of mine and I played Gaelic football over there just to get to help to get a job for both of us then as well over in New York. So as a result of that, that got my interest going in Gaelic football again because I hadn't been playing it. Because now I'd left school, so you do not playing it for the school, and now I'm at college UCD, okay? And therefore, as a result of that, I'm still playing soccer most of the time because I've played with Rangers in the final year, and then I went to Bohemians. Mm -hmm. So I'm just concentrating on on soccer then as well. And then I thought, you know, I'd like to play Gaelic football again. So then I came back and I started playing Gaelic football. And while I was playing Gaelic football, within a few months, Dublin came knocking on the door, the Dublin team, and asked me would I come down and play in a trial game for them down in Kerry. And that was in February in 78. All right. Now, I'm still finishing my final year in college.
1: Where you were studying?
0: Where I was studying a Bachelor of Commerce degree. Okay. Okay. And in that final year, I'm playing for UCD, the, the soccer team. So that's where my concentration is mainly on the soccer. And then all of a sudden I get this opportunity to play. So then I started playing with the Gaelic football and they asked me to come into the panel then as well. So you think about it, this is February 78. Mm -hmm. So February 78, two months later, I play in the National League final for Dublin, which we win. Then the championship starts, which starts in the summer in Ireland. And I go on that particular year and win an All-Ireland medal in 76. So I've come into that team just then, right? Now my concentration is more on the Gaelic football. Yeah. Yeah. And I've parked... The football. The football aside. I'm playing Gaelic football. So it goes into the next season, which heading into the 76, 77 season. Once again, Dublin do really well. We get to the National League final. We don't win that. But we get to the All-Ireland final again, right? And we win the All-Ireland final. So that's two All-Irelands in a row I've won. So I'm playing the Gaelic football. And then I decided... Do you know what? I've got time now to play for Pegasus <laughs> which is the postgraduate team from UCD and I can play with them you know the odd game here and there so while I'm playing with them Billy Bean the Chief Scout comes along and says Kevin I like what I've seen would you come over and try to United and I went first of all I said no because I've said I'm playing the Gaelic football with Dublin we're going for our second all-Ireland final you know what I mean so there's my concentration but come back to me maybe later so he did come back later And he said to me, okay, will you come over? And I said, okay, I will. For how long? And he said, say, two-week trial. I said, I can't. I can't do two weeks. I said, three days. (laughs) I said, three days, Max. And he goes, okay, leave it with me. I'll sort that out. And I came over here. I'll always remember, I came over on a Monday, trained Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There was a match that evening on the Wednesday, and I was back Thursday morning in Dublin because I thought nothing would happen so the whole idea was to come over have a look at the hotel so you played
2: in the resi's then on the Wednesday
0: no there wasn't a resi game no there there was just practice games at at the cliff that sort of thing then as well but what's interesting here is I came over as a fullback not as a centre back right so obviously then I wasn't expecting no on the way back to the hotel Dave Sesson was giving me a lift back to, i always remember it as well, the Crest of Court yeah, in Altrincham. Yeah. I live just down the road yeah. from it now. It was amazing. <laughs> and um, he said to me, Kevin, we like what we say We'd like to offer you a two-and-a-half-year contract. And I thought, I, thought you, I said, you're joking me. And he went, no, is there a problem? I said, well, I wasn't expecting this. Do you mind if I take a little bit of time to think about it? And he said, sure, how long? I said, three weeks? And he said, fine, let us know in three weeks' time and wow. then three weeks. That's
2: unbelievable. School. So like a, a three-day trial, and you. So, was anyone else interested other than you no, hired? Wow. No. That's mental.
0: It is, but I will tell you what I think is the reason behind it, which I know from, from Billy Bean. God rest him. Billy Bean, going back, was one of the main scouts under Sir Matt Busby. Right. And I remember Billy Bean telling me a story whereby he said, Sir Matt um, he, came, he went to Sir Matt and he said, Sir Matt, by the way, he says, I don't think you should pay me. They used to pay them on a quarterly basis, right, for the year. I don't think you should pay me anything. I haven't sent you over a player for nearly two years, you know. And Sir Matt turned to me and says, that's the reason why you're worth more money than any of the others because I know that whoever you send ever somebody over, they're going to be good. I right? Wow. Now, I've no doubt that was passed on to the managers after Sir Matt left. So you look at some of the players that the likes of Billy Bean sent over, you know, there was Johnny Cairdie, there was Johnny Giles, there was Jerry Daly, yeah. there was Mick Martin, there was Ashley Grimes, you know. There was a list of them that all came through, you know what I mean, in, in mm-hmm. those sort of terms. Paul McGrath. Yeah. You know, and, and these were all players that, you know I mean, that Billy Bean had particularly sent over then as well. So I think when he sent me over, there was an element of, because they couldn't have seen much of me, honestly, when you think about it, you know. And I came as a full back, yeah. right? And I, I remember I did okay. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, I, I did all right, but I still wasn't expecting anything to come of it. But after I signed and stayed here, I was so far down the pecking order, I couldn't get into the reserve team. And then, as a result, I played in the A team. Now, think about it.
2: You remember what the, yeah, what, yeah. What,
0: what was the A team made up of?
2: That was all the young kids, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how old were you?
2: Twenty-two.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm twenty-two now. Yeah. So I'm in amongst all these young kids. So what do I do? I stand out as a centre back. So I'm pushed then from the full back into centre back, and that was the change then that made a big difference then. You know, and I remember people would look upon me as the big guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And as
0: you know, I'm far from it as a yeah. centre back. Yeah. You know, if anything, and uh, and and that was the char- start of me. Making improvement, improvement. And I remember thinking um, in um, 78, as I said, I went over it in February 78. And by the end, of, by the last month or two months, I played in the reserve team. And the reserve team back then were really good. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was literally players that didn't play in the first team yeah. getting into the, into the reserve team. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how it happened.
1: So you signed your contract, but you were still actually going home. Were you sneaking home to still play Gillick?
0: I wasn't sneaking
1: home. Okay, it's been long enough now, so Kevin. You can just know. be honest.
0: <laughs> Kevin, i not going to come after you. <laughs> yes, No, there
1: indeed. was a bit of an agreement, was there?
0: No, there was no, no agreement. No, there, agreement. There was no, no. No, no agreement. in place at all. No, uh, during, during the summer, well, you must remember the Gaelic football season is the, the championship season, the All Ireland season is a summer season. And here, the summer, you, you get a break off then as yeah. well, really. So I did go back and I trained with Dublin when I went back during in the summer of 78 and um, I played in the in the, the Leinster semi-final, the Leinster final, the All-Ireland semi-final. In all those games, the club never knew anything about so it. that
1: never filtered back? I that can't believe that. never filtered back. I can't none, believe none that. Of those,
0: none of those things filtered back. The great thing about that period was the age of, no social media. Yeah. yeah. No social media. Yeah, but we're not no talking about phones. like a
1: game where there's like 100 people, like there's thousands and thousands of people Absolutely. at those
0: games. Absolutely. But there's no interest back here in it. I'm not coming back shouting yeah. me mouth off about it either, you know. Even the players in the dressing room might not know about it yeah. because what am I telling them for it, you know? There was no need to. I just play, went and played in these games, and it was only when we got to the final in '78 that the management team, Tony Hanahoe and Kevin Heffernan, thought we better go over and ask permission for Kevin to play in this particular game. So they came over and asked Dave Sexton and. Dave was brilliant about it. He said, "By all means, sure, he can go." Actually, he said, "Why doesn't he go over a week beforehand and he can train with us?" You? you know, I said, "That's how good it was," and they were delighted with that. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that great because on the Tuesday before the final, when I was training, I pulled my hamstring, and then I played through the whole game with a pulled hamstring and was gone from the first warm-up session, and I, I just never played. And I went through the whole game with it and it just pulled the thing asunder then. So when I got back to United, um oh by the way, which very seldom happens, I ended up with about nine stitches in my head as well in that project. <laughs> <laughs> I know you'd laugh at that. But the truth is you don't usually get stitches in, in, in Gaelic football. But it was a it was a See, fluke you, injury. You, you. And somebody's knee went into me um, I was down on the ground and just by accident and uh, so I went back the following day and you know with I, one I,
1: hamstring and a big head,
0: <laughs> and it took me nearly three months to get the hamstring right
1: mm.
0: you know I gave it six weeks seven weeks and then it'd go again and go again it was, so it was a very frustrating time for me when I went back
1: mm-hmm.
2: so when did you actually realise then you thought I've got to make a decision there oh the decision was made then yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you signed um, the
1: contract didn't, here as yeah. well yeah, hadn't right. you
0: well the decision was made however I did play again And at this day now, I've already played with the first team.
1: And you still went back to play?
0: And I still went back and played. I made my debut in April 79, and then I played then. uh, Did you
2: get paid playing Gaelic? No. No. Gaelic football, and still is an amateur sport. Amateur sport, yeah.
0: Yeah. So there was always that willingness for me to to try it out and go again, you know. Um, So I, I did play, and even the following season playing for United, I played 10 games, and I went back. And I played a game in New York, in the final in New York, which I knew nobody would know about.
1: <laughs> so you were literally just jetting off all over the world. <laughs> well, I was on holiday like over a there. When really the, the opportunity
0: came by that I could play any game. I said,
2: why not?
1: Paul Scholes did it to an extent. He used to play cricket. cricket. yeah. And his name was Archie. Archie
2: I said yeah. Oh, so he used right to play there? under
1: a different name, but it only lasted until he was about 14. Like, you were doing this <laughs> for a lot longer.
0: Yeah. No, that was the end of it then. There was no more Gaelic football. But do you know
1: what, it. though? The fitness levels of Gaelic footballers is unbelievable because the pitch is so much bigger. You must have been one of the fittest players uh, in this team at pre-season and everything.
0: Well, when I came over and joined United, remember I said in, in February 78, I joined United and went into the training with them as well. And my fitness level was as good as anybody else at yeah.
1: that time. Yeah. I
0: mean, now, by the way, the fitness levels of the Gaelic footballers now is way above. Yeah. How fit I was,
1: uh, because yeah, they run
0: the, the in, in our in my day we kind of kept our positions mm-hmm. a lot more. Now they don't. They, they the, the full back ends up full forward. He ends up. He runs. He yeah. moves on. He and the fitness level is incredible.
1: What did your family think about the move to Manchester United? Your mother, because I know your da- father yeah. sadly passed away by this stage, but.
0: They, they were all delighted, you know, yeah. as you would be. They all wished you well, you know. Yeah. Did they
1: ever come over to games to oh, watch they you did. play?
0: They did. They did indeed. Um, uh, they did come over all at different stages as well. Funny enough, I was talking about it the other day and I'd forgotten, you know, some of the occasions. My mother came over with my sister and this was about maybe one of my fifth or sixth game. But it was an away game at Tottenham. You Know and she came over for that particular game. Why that I, I, I can't remember, <laughs> you know. And she remembers it more so because, funny incident, we came into the after the game, we won the game 2 1, and it was a great result for us. And uh, I remember coming into the lounge afterwards, and there she was talking to somebody. I'm saying to myself, is that? Is that? my mum's talking to you over there. It was only Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy, you know, <laughs> the band, the rock band. And the reason being was Phil Linnet lived in Drimda, which is where. The shop was in Drimnit then as well. So naturally, the two of them were bantering away about Drimnit (laughs) and about this and that and all the rest of it. And and I always remember my mother passed the comment, God, did you see the trousers? They were green.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, what lovely Lovely, memories. memories, Uh, So your family used to come over here to Old Trafford as well? They'd come over,
0: yeah. Uh, On all the other occasions, I look back and I'd say to them now, when you look how big the game is and everything, you'd go, he didn't come over that much, did you? you yeah. know? <laughs> and, and sometimes when you're playing, you think, "Oh, we can go over next week. He's playing next yeah, week he's playing yeah, next week. <laughs> and maybe you put it off a little bit now, yeah. more then as well. But no, they did come over often, yeah.
1: Did you settle well in Manchester initially?
0: Yes, yes. I came over to Manchester. I was in digs at first, Elzheimer Road, Charlton. And who was in the digs then was Ashley Grimes and Dave McCreary was in there at the time. Then Dave moved out soon. And then Scott McGarvey came in and two young lads were in there then as well. And then eventually I moved out.
2: Mm-hmm. That wouldn't fa- have phase. you though, coming over to, to Manchester. Obviously you're an international jet set, about yeah. it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't
0: quite put it that way. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. What made it a lot easier for me was the fact I was coming over at nearly 22 years of age. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know what I mean? Like you look at it and, I, and it was tough enough at times because you yeah. didn't like leaving home as well and your friends and family. So you realise then just how tough it is for young kids, young kids coming yeah. over at 15, 16 or whatever. Yeah, that, you know, it's so is young,
1: hard, isn't it? You know? What was Dave Sexton like with you?
0: He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He knew I had an awful lot to learn, you know. I, I talk about that, call it naivety talk, call it just a lot to catch up on as well. And I think he knew that I was more than willing to listen so long, and to yeah. learn. You, you, we talked about it earlier, yeah. Dave, you, you were saying it there, you know. And... And when a, a, a coach or a manager sees that in somebody, mm-hmm. you know they're going to put that little bit more extra effort yeah. into them then as well, really. And yeah, once on a, on a couple of occasions he'd
2: pull me aside and go, "I'll go through this
0: drill with you and that drill with you mm-hmm. as well." Who
2: were the players in, the, in that squad then?
0: Well, you be talking about mentioned Gordon McQueen, Martin Buchan, Gary Bay was the keeper, Arthur Albiston, Jimmy Nichol, Sammy Mac, Lou McCardy, um, the Greenoffs, yeah, Pancho.
1: All good, yeah. guys. Yeah. All breakers, guys.
2: Yeah.
0: Stevie Cop. Stevie Cop was a great help as well. You know?
1: So obviously you said when you first came over, you were playing with the A team. Do you remember the first time you started training with the first team or were you still training with them, but you were in the A team at weekends? Uh, it's, it's
0: a good question now, Helen, because I'm not sure who did I train with. I wouldn't have trained with the A team because it wasn't such a thing. You just played on the, fo- on the, on the Saturday. You just yeah. played with the A team. But I think I would have tried more with the reserve team. Yeah. Wherever the reserve team was. But I always remember, as I said, in February February 78, I came over and that summer getting into the reserve team and playing some good games and that. And then the following season, I was put into the first team dressing room. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was always a big step up yeah, there as yeah. well as regards, it was where they thought this is where he can be then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then that particular season, I would have been training with the, the first, team yeah, well, first team.
1: Yeah, and that was you established as a first-team player from there. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember who the person was who moved you from the full-back position to centre-back?
0: Yeah, I think looking back on that now, it might have been Jack Crompton. Jack was the um, reserve team coach at the time and once again was a huge influence on my career then as well because, as I said, I was just starting off. And I think it might have been his decision that to move me from a full-back into the centre-back position.
1: He knew did exactly you, what Did you
2: find that dying, Kev? Because obviously you're not the... You not know, the Gordon McQueen size, obviously football was a lot more physical than. Well, because of the fact it was the A team, yeah. I, I, be, I looked yeah. I was looking at one as being a big player, yeah. head
0: and shoulders, uh, yeah. bigger than the others. And then I got used to the position then. And then when I stepped up to play in the reserve team, mm-hmm. obviously then you're playing against, you know, first team players yeah, and yeah. young players coming through then as well. And then I adapted to that much better. So it was my position then from then on. I found it much more comfortable, much better to deal with then as well. And I'll always remember then when I got into the first team, Dave Sexton, and he just gave me a few wise words. And I always remember thinking, I used to say it to myself before going out on the pitch, was, Kevin, just get it and give it. Yeah. And I used to say that to myself, just get it and give it. Get it, win it, get it and give it, you know. And if you do that as a centre-back, as you know, yeah becomes easy because you've got especially when you're playing for Manchester United you're surrounded by great players in front mm-hmm. of you you know better players than you so the one thing you don't do is try to do something that you're not capable of yeah. But so win the ball get it and give it to somebody
2: but you, I'm talking about the height as well obviously we've got there's Andrew Martinez now yes all the stick he got when he first joined United being 5 foot 9 5 foot 10 he can't play the game did you ever come across that problem where you thought you know, you're playing against big, tough centre forwards. Obviously, it's a little bit different now in the Premier League, but yeah, back then. Back then. Um, did you look at it as a challenge and thought, because obviously. It, it was
0: a challenge. It, it was a challenge. And I, I used to have a, a different way of dealing with it. So for a kick out, I'd hold my position. Uh-huh. So I would attack a ball by going backwards to it. So I judge it. So therefore, hold the position, and then yeah. get the flight of it, and then move back. So therefore, this, even though the centre forward would have been bigger than me, mm-hmm. he can't get to it then as well. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't run onto it because he had advantage yeah. then above me. So that's how I dealt with an awful lot of the time with attacking the ball then mm-hmm. as well and winning it from that position is to hold a high position and judge the ball coming back.
1: Talking about Dave Sexton, you mentioned him earlier. Do you remember when he left the club and how you felt about that at the time?
0: I did, actually. This is a strange one as well. God, you just... When you mention things, Dave Sexton left the club, if I remember rightly, he won the last seven games of the season and then he left. You know, and not many managers. No. But win the seven games and then be shown the door then after that. And ironically, ironically, those seven games, he moved me not to, to fill back. No. Right midfield. I oh. played seven games in right midfield during during that period. And then he left at the end of the season.
1: And you you just spoke he's won that, every game.
2: You just spoke about two minutes ago about being that player that just pass it and give it. Receive it, pass it and give it. And next minute. That's what
1: he did you in right midfield. Field. That's
2: what I
0: did in midfield too, it.
2: <laughs> Win it, pass it yeah. and give it. You know yeah.
0: what I mean? You know, from that point of view. Yeah, it's it's funny because I you know, I never think about this. It's funny, you just bring back the memories now of it and you just think, I'd nearly love to go back and get one or two and see see what it was so like. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. almost think, God, well, you know, how, how did he play? What was he like? But we had an incredible run then.
2: What was it like when Big Ron came in? Huge it, difference it, or...
0: Yeah, it was a big difference. Immediately there was a kind of a, a sense of, God, who's going to be around, who's staying, who's going because... Ron had made a statement saying, I'm not too sure, there's going to be a half a dozen players here from the same thing. And and I was linked then with leaving. I remember um, Dave Sexton left and went to Coventry City, and he came in to buy Mike Duxbury and myself. And um, I think, I don't know who it was, somebody I heard afterwards said to um, Ron Atkinson, just hold on to the two guys for a second, you you know, so you can, because I think he was willing to almost take the money and let us go mm-hmm. and you know look yeah, to yeah, the yeah. players then as well because he wouldn't have known too much about us and then in the end both Mike and myself stayed on a lot longer than maybe expected
2: mm-hmm. what, was, what was the difference between big Ron and Dave well Ron big came with a big kind of um,
0: more brashness about him and all the rest of it because what the club wanted to do was to get somebody changed Dave was quiet you know mm. what I mean and they just wanted somebody a little bit more extrovert I suppose yeah. in some ways and you know, it's not that Ron was always like that. You know, he wasn't. He was a real football man. You no. know what I mean? He really, he really loved his football, very intense about it and getting it right, as was Dave, but in in different ways. So I think that's what the club wanted then as well. And eventually, you know, Ron was was getting it there. You know what I mean? The, probably the biggest mishap, I suppose, even when I look back at my United career, would have been the fact that I just never won the league title. You know what I mean? Yeah. that. That is the one thing that always just sticks in your gut, you know. At that particular time, that that never came through, and it nearly did. After in, I think it was eighty five, we started with 10, 10 straight, on, the bounce, 10 on it, yeah. the bounce, you know, and we should have done it then.
1: But you did win two FA Cup finals. It's not bad, <laughs> <well>, is it? he <laughs> well, we only we won did. one and
0: a half. To be fair, <laughs> like he was often one of them, one and three quarters. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that must have been an incredible moment because it's every boy's dream. To go on and win the FA Cup
0: final? Yeah, of course. You know, it's to win anything is, is so important, yeah. you know, and um, especially when you're at Manchester United, it's what a, it's what's expected. Um, that's the reason why I said it was a long time f- about the league never getting there, so it was brilliant to see it happening afterwards and to watch it and see it happen, mm-hmm. enjoy it. But yeah, to, to play in the two FA Cup finals, won both of them in 83 and 85. 83, we actually got to the Milk Cup final as well. We got beaten at that. This really a month or so before the, the FA Cup final.
1: Which is the equivalent to our Carabao Cup final. Correct, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we lost to Liverpool 2-1. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: What's your memories of the FA Cup? The first one. Um, Did you ever get nervous before games, Cav? To an extent, I'd like to get
0: a little bit of nervous tension, mm-hmm. more so than nerves to stop me from yeah. playing. You know what I mean? And I can always remember from playing Gaelic football, it's a little bit, In rugby, you get a big hit and therefore you're off. You know what I mean? In playing football, you you can't do that. You know what Mm. I mean? And I can remember playing a particular game. You know, it was an international game, actually. You know, I'm thinking, hey, I'm really playing well here. 15 minutes had gone, I hadn't touched the ball. You know? (laughs) But you knew that you were in control of what was happening, what was going on. You might uh, have that sort of feeling. But yet you do feel like nervousness, tension, I was lucky the Gaelic football helped me an awful lot because I played with big crowds
1: Yeah, yeah. that's what it's gets the people to an that. awful
0: lot is the big crowds mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um, I often remember thinking here at Old Trafford it's Daunting. a tough yeah. place to come for young players or any players to come to and adapt to as well Then, and the one example I have of that I remember um, surely I remember hearing it from him was Viv Anderson when Viv came to United you know and he just said he found it so difficult because nerves, tension, everything at um at, at Old Trafford crowds, yeah. so. Yeah. And I'm thinking, but you've played in two European Cup finals with exactly, with, um, yeah. with Forage, uh, yeah. you've played for Arsenal, you've played for England, and yet yeah, Old Trafford.
1: It's got something special, doesn't it?
0: It certainly mm-hmm. does. And sometimes I think you know, a lot of players you you expect to come here and yeah, do it.
2: Big plays for their own club, but when they come here, yeah. yeah.
0: Sometimes that's that's the case. Mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned there that your ex-school friend played in the Brighton final. Did he play in both finals? Because, of course, there was a replay.
0: Correct. No, he just he came on in the replay.
1: What did you think? Obviously, at the time, that was just normal. Do you guys having to play a replay? But now that's completely alien to us to have to replay a final. What <laughs> way? We, do you know what I mean? Isn't it?
0: <laughs> you say that. It's so true that it's alien. I, I look back and there was a, I think there was a great start. I think it was Frank Stapleton in eighty when he came to United but before that when he was at Arsenal he played 71 games for Arsenal because back then
2: it was replay there yeah. was
0: replay after replay they got to the uh, European Cup Winners Cup final they'd replay after replay in the FA Cups and they'd took, like three or four replays in semi-finals and everything like that so they were playing game after game after game yeah. after game and he played something unbelievable like 71 games Wow
1: Would you ever like to say I mean I'm pretty sure that's not going to come back to football but would you ever like to see it?
0: What the replays?
1: Yeah,
0: no, I, I think I think it's the right decision to do now. Like surely M- move, you only move, get move that the buzz, yeah, yeah, for the
1: first one. That's yeah. just so strange. Sure. Yeah,
0: I I do think, but I think even now for for um, supporters as well, you know, they don't want to see another repeat and another repeat and yeah. another repeat. You know, there the, the, there is nice to have the that amount sort of, money of
2: finality as well. Yeah. The amount of money it costs as well, up and down to Wembley. Correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, know if that, you know. So you're going about the so you won the first one replay. Yeah. Replay was four 0 against Brighton.
0: It's not often you get a chance to enjoy a game because your concentration is so yeah, yeah. much on the game and it's tight. But I can always remember Brighton three nil a half time in the replay. And I remember thinking, second half, get the next goal. Gotta get the next goal. And we did. Ireland Muren scored a penalty. Four nil. Now, for the first time in it in a massive game, Wembley, you're looking around the stadium, yeah. you're taking it all mm-hmm. in, you know, whereas before you can never do that. No. You know, and it's a, it was a great feeling, I can remember. You know, just that buzz of being uh-huh. able to just go, yes, I'm here, 4-0, we've won, 20 minutes to go. You know, Crazy, it, yeah. it's, you just you just don't get that sort of feeling.
1: Maisie mentioned it earlier, 1985, two years later, you see yourself in another FA Cup final.
0: Yeah, big game against Everton. They just won Cup Winners' Cup, they'd won the league, mm-hmm. Cup Winners' Cup, they're going for the treble. And um, obviously we want to stop them. You know, we've always fancied ourselves, no matter who we're against. You know, on a one-to-one basis. But I can always remember it being a, a kind of like a really dour game. Like there was hardly any chances in the game. It was tight. It was no quarter given. And um, unfortunately, you know, I'd like to take credit for the fact I brought the game to life. <laughs>
1: you
2: certainly
1: remember that DML, I
2: what, was, what was your thoughts when obviously you was the first ever I mean you're making history obviously not that you wanted to make history that way but did you actually think you would have got sent
0: off no I never did honestly I didn't even think it was a foul um, at the time and, um, it was only afterwards looking at it, I said, ooh, that looks, ooh, that doesn't look great, you know, but I'd no, there's no intent on my, no, on my behalf. No. Absolutely none. My foot is on the ground. I'm going for the ball. I thought I got, I thought I got a nick on it even. So when he turned around, I couldn't believe a red card. When he pulled me back, I said, I'm thinking he's going to give me a yellow. I can't believe that. And then he pulled out a red and uh, genuinely no, no, I saw red. It. Yeah. 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 You know, and uh, you can see I mean, my reactions to And, and Robbo came in yeah. and Frank came in and yeah. everything. Else. And I, all I kept saying is, What are you sending me off for? What have I done? You know?
2: And because you were so me. high up as well. It was only ten yards into the yeah, was that, yeah, exactly. into your own half yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. years gone by. That wouldn't have even probably been a yellow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think most people would say every day of the week it's yellow, but it's never a red. You know. And in those days, as you said, you were you, you didn't get sent off. No. And to make it a cup final then as well.
1: You were the first player to be sent off in an FA Cup final?
0: But, At the time, nobody was telling me (laughs) that. I only found out that afterwards.
1: (laughs) We're not going to dwell on that. Chris Mulling got sent off in a FA Cup final as well, so don't worry.
0: But yeah, it was funny. So much was made about it. But I can always remember, you know, at the end, and um, Big Ron pulls me over. He says, oh, by the way, I've just been told you, you can't receive your medal. But you go up those steps. You deserve to go up those steps anyway, you know. So I went up the steps. And sure enough, as I went up, the guy goes there. And I'm gone. No, I've told I can't take the medal, so he just put it, put it back again. You actually said that? Yeah, oh,
2: he was I, giving it I, I to me. Oh, would have took I it, took it You would have took it. You would
0: have took everybody's medal, I know you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you were not eligible to get a medal because you'd been sent off? Yes,
0: Ron just told me that. Now, who made that decision? You'd enough to know. That
1: can't be a real nice now, still, surely it's not. not. Real, no,
0: it's not real now, no, because at the end, but at the time, who who would have come around well, and, mm-hmm. and pulled Ron the decided and said, oh, by the way, it's, it's unique, unique as well. well. It's the first one ever. First one ever. It's never off, happened yeah. before.
1: Did you get one after? Well, it was so funny afterwards.
0: Was, I knew Fred Eyre very well yeah. from Manchester and, and, and the Manchester scene and everything and obviously a big City fan. And he was up at the very back of the stand and he decided after everybody had gone, he said, you know, I'm going to come down, have a look, see what the view is like from, you know, the Royal Box area then or, or whatever from that. And he comes so down and goes... Start. Lo and behold, there's the medal. No, the medal was left there. So he actually picks up the medal and brings it and brings it to the authorities or whoever it was and gives it passes it over to them. The following day, I always felt sorry. We had a bit of banter about this, Norman and myself. Norman, I said, he scored a wonder goal, absolutely wonder goal. He goes, I've scored a wonder goal at Wembley. And the following day, it's all about you being sent (laughs) off. And then it was all about not only being sent off. Will he get his medal? So in in the end they, they must have had some whatever meeting they had so did, about it. Did somebody the, actually
2: present it to you or No. Fred just like, slyly shoved it in your pocket or
0: No, no, he gave it to the authorities and I remember um, at the start of the following season, I still hadn't got it. So there was talk about me being presented with the medal on the pitch by Sir Matt, you know, which I thought would have been a nice gesture. Been lovely, yeah. But for some reason the FA didn't want that to happen or they ruled it out against it. So I was just you were really they punished, are. weren't you? There you are, there's your middle. Wow. So I just got the middle.
1: Uh, you just mentioned Sir Matt there, so it's a nice time to bring him up. Did you have a lot of dealings with him in the training grounds? I know he used to come down and watch training and that kind of thing. And what a privilege when you look back at yes. an incredible moment that must have been for you guys. Yeah,
0: it was. It was to see Sir Matt around and take an interest in you as well. You know, I'll never forget one of the first times I met Sir Matt was in the Four Seasons. Remember the Four Seasons on the Hale Roundabout? Mm-hmm. And I was there with Eleanor, my wife, to be later yeah. on. But it was one, the first night I took her out. And um, I remember Sir Matt was over there with another party. And I'm sitting there with Eleanor. And um, I said, oh, God, John, look who's over there, Sir Matt Busby. And she goes, who? Because <laughs> she wasn't no. into football then at all, really, you know. And I'm going, Sir Matt Busby, and I'm explaining Sir Matt Busby. And the next thing, um, he kind of, like, waved over. And I turned my back thinking, who's he waving to? And I realized behind me was a wall, you know what I mean? So it was obviously me, because <laughs> I too. didn't even think he would have known me then. And not only that, he came over and said hello and said to me, how are you doing? Introduced him to Eleanor and said, how are you getting on at the club and all the rest of it. That's Magnificent. Brilliant. What a man. What a gentleman. Fantastic.
1: And that's exactly the way Sir Alex Ferguson would have acted in front of his players. Of course, he came in uh, to the club when you were here. What was your first impressions? And do you remember the time when there was talk about him coming in?
0: Yes, I remember this time when he was coming, I think Gordon Strachan had just come down. Ron had signed him from, from Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, I remember Gordon saying when Alex Ferguson was coming, he said oh I can't believe it he says I got away from Aberdeen to get away from him and now what's going to happen he says I won't last long here and unfortunately that was the case
1: <laughs> yeah for him <laughs> for him we actually did a podcast with him he, a few months ago some great the, stories to tell
0: yeah, us, he's, he? he's he's a great guy funny man as well
1: yeah what was your reaction as a group of players the first training session for example was it a bit of a shock to the system
0: there's always going to be apprehension, even when Ron Atkinson comes, a new manager comes, everybody's apprehensive as regards what's going to happen to them, what's going to happen to the team. The exact same came with Sir Alex when he came. There was a sense of, wow, how's it going to be set up? But the one thing that came through with him and Archie Knox was their intensity of, uh, and, their, and their work rate and their wanting to really achieve, you know, you could you could get that sense of purpose about them then yeah. as well, really. Um, that was very, very much to the to the front, um, but it, it wasn't easy, as you well know. It, it took a lot longer than people would have would have thought at that particular time, and there was a lot of changes that that he made.
1: Discipline was a big thing, wasn't it? The culture he this yeah he
0: changed the culture then as well, and the, the new young lads that came in, you know, as well was the was probably the mole that made the whole set up then as well more than anything else. You know,
2: mm-hmm. what was the, um Obviously, Ellen, just touched on the gaffer coming in. There was a drinking culture. You were part of that.
0: Yeah, we were. Uh, I was. But it was the same in mall clubs. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, the, you, you, you'd look at the likes of, you know, uh, Liverpool. You know, you know, they were the yeah. ones winning the league then as well. You know, and you played alongside uh, with, with Ireland, the Ronnie Whelans, the Ray Houghtons, mm-hmm. Steve Stontons, and all those guys. They were doing the exact same. Yeah. You know what I mean? They really were and so it's it's not you have a it's not so much a culture. the culture isn't there now because it's a different game altogether yeah. with the foreign players coming in and all the rest of it but I can remember you go back and you know teams that were successful they all made sure they all went out on a Wednesday night
2: yeah. and
0: they all had a party and a drink then as well it was about camaraderie and getting the group together that sort of thing it's all about drinking at the right time. Now if you're drinking at the wrong time, <laughs> that love is a that problem. <laughs> I
1: love that that's your mantra. It's all about drinking <laughs> at the right time.
0: <laughs> As in a couple of days before you don't, certainly don't do it the day before or forty eight hours before.
1: There were so many incredibly talented players at that time. For you, who was the best player that you played with at Manchester United?
0: Well there's one that always stands out to me. He's Robbo. the best problem. Brian Robson would be. And then right beside Robbo would be Paul McGrath. Mm-hmm. You know, those two especially. And then you looked upon the silkier scales. You know, Strachan was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, so was Jesper Olsen on the other wing. Yeah. You know, in that way. So, and the diff- diff- different people then. Stevie know, during his time then as well early on. But definitely the two that stand out for me, Paul McGrath and... Um, yeah,
1: I actually came across something last night and I'd sent it into our group WhatsApp. It was Sir Alex Ferguson, so I'm just going to get it up on my phone. His first ever team sheet, you know, back in the day oh, when yes. it wasn't printed, I he's obviously signed the bottom and Oxford, obviously. Oxford away. Yeah, you're on there.
2: Yeah, that's right. You remember uh, the team, Kev?
1: Let's yeah. see, if, see
2: if you can. Uh, so <sighs>
0: this is I the am, first team one.
1: under Sir Alex Ferguson. It's his first ever Manchester United team.
0: Was Bailey in goal? No. No, he's so gone
1: then. Field already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, Chris Turner? Turner. Turner, yeah, Chris Turner. Mike Duxbury? Yeah. Arthur? Yeah. Myself and Paul? Yeah. Um, then we go into midfield and we go, you'll have to probably say Strack.
1: No. No, was Strack and didn't play. The Wilkins No.
0: Nope. No, he was well gone. Was Robbo playing?
1: No. Nope. Shall I put you out of your misery? Clayton played, Titan. Graham Hogg played, Moses, Stapleton, Davenport, and Barnes.
0: Peter Barnes. Oh, Peter Barnes. Yeah.
1: So there you go. That's a little piece of yeah, history. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: First ever Sir Alex Ferguson team.
0: team. Yes. Good team
1: that was too. <laughs> <laughs> that was.
0: But there was room for improvement in it. <laughs> <laughs> room for improvement always.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about Manchester United. When did you start to feel like your time at United was probably coming towards an end?
0: Probably when Sir Alex pulled me in.
1: Which was how long <laughs> after he'd been here? this was
0: about when my contract was up. That was in um, 88. He pulled me in and um, he just said, listen, Kevin, I think we're letting you go. And I said, that's fine. And I'll always remember, I said to him, do you mind me asking you why you're letting me go? And he said, well, two main reasons. He said, um, I like my centre-backs to be at least six foot. And I said, there's not much I can do about that. <laughs> And the other one, he says, well, I like my building the team at the moment. So, and you're just the wrong side of 30.
2: Right.
0: I said, there's not much I can do <laughs> no. about that either. So there are two <laughs> things I can't do much about. So in the end, one of the best things that ever happened to me, to be honest, I left and I went to Spain, to Sporting Keyon. Mm-hmm. I'm over there six months later, seven months later, pick up the paper. I'm reading what's happening back home. And the next thing I go, Manchester United have just signed Maldonadoe. Five foot eleven. Thirty one years of age.
2: <laughs> A couple of years later, I'd have been Brucey as well. Five foot, five foot. Yeah. 11, I don't know what height you
1: are. are you?
0: About five ten and three quarters. Yeah.
1: <laughs> five eleven. Five eleven. Five 11. <laughs> what was that experience like, though? Leaving Manchester United to go to Spain, I had many players.
0: Not many. A few were beginning to do it, by the way. A few went to social dad. Linacre was just going to say, yeah. Uh, there was a couple of players from uh, that went to Real Sociedad. Ashley Grimes had gone to a, a team as well there up in that region. So there was one or two beginning to go there. So it was a little bit unusual. But it was a massive change for me for to go there with my wife and two young kids. Yeah. Um, Daryl was three years of age and Rachel was six months. So it was a great time to have that adventure. And I must admit, in the period I was over there, it was about, just over a year and a half, I felt I learned so much. Just mm-hmm. the game was so different. Yeah. You know? The, the game, what you played at Old Trafford at the time, which people loved and enjoyed, it was like a 100 mile an hour football, yeah, yeah. as we yeah. all say. It was about, you put a ball down the channels and you, you gained a throw in. Yeah. And then you won the ball from the throw in and you put it into the box and people were supposed to get in the box and people run and it was all action, 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 and keepers making saves and all sorts of things going on as well. Whereas now you get the ball and I feel sorry sometimes for the players because, any pass, astray, you hear the crowd going, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crikey, they'd be doing that for the whole 90 minutes in yeah. our day because that's that's what you did. Yeah. You know, the balls were put into space. People run onto yeah. it and all the rest it. was a different game now as well. So now the game is much more controlled, and etc. But sometimes it works and you can see some brilliant games and other times you get a little bit, come on. Did you find it easier happen. over
2: in Spain?
1: slower pace I presume you think it was a lot but more of the, the ball we, now. We, we trained very hard
0: we mm. trained training morning and afternoon two or three times a week because there wasn't midweek games
2: how did that move actually come about
0: it came about through the European um, championships European championships were in 88 yes and they would have seen me play in the games I played play there as well and then they came on got in touch and so it was very much a last minute thing
2: yeah ever been back
0: yes yeah went back once that was all yeah there's another place quite close to it called Oviedo, you might have heard of ah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, were, they were quite close.
1: So just over a year there, and did you have intentions to want to come back?
0: Yeah, I did want to come back because that was at 88, 89. We're heading into nearly 90 now. Nearly now the get,
1: Premier League, yeah.
0: Yeah, we, well, it wasn't so much that, that I was thinking about. But it was the World Cup. Mm. was coming up in 90, and obviously I'm in, I'm in the team. I've played all the games. But you want to be more or less very much at the forefront in Jack's mind as regards what's happening, what's going on. Jack Charlton, as the manager. And um, it was ironic because I I then come to come back after being over there a year and a half, and I have four big teams in for me. Sheffield Wednesday, where Brig Ron was, Mm -hmm. Newcastle United, West Brom, and Blackburn Rovers. And before I went there, there was only one club interested in me and that was Stoke City at the time, that I had a genuine offer for before yeah, yeah. the Spanish club came in. So it's amazing when you think about it. You know, you're younger, year and a half to younger as well, just going from United, and yeah. there's not at the time. It's all about, as we know, football works, right time, right place, or whatever. Yeah. So in the end, coming back, I decided to go for Blackburn Rovers. Why was that? I, that? Because the manager at the time was a guy called Don Mackay. Yeah. And um, Don went out of his way to come and see me. And I just thought, I was very impressed with that. You know, he came over to see me in Spain, really wanted me to sign. He said there was a lot of things happening at the club, coming on board. He couldn't say too much about it, but Jack Walker was going to come into the the scene. You know, and I liked what he was talking about, where he was going, et cetera. And um, I decided that made sense. Frank was there as well. I knew Frank Stapleton was there. And I could still come back, have my same house or
1: place in Manchester
0: and commute from there. So it made sense.
1: And of course, you mentioned... Playing for Ireland and you wanted to keep your fitness levels up, keep Correct. all that. Yeah. yeah. Those must have been incredible experiences for you, your family, well, for the whole of the country as well.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It, would it that was. have
1: topped your career?
0: It certainly did. It, it's as I said to you before, from the football point of view, yes, it nearly would. It would have to, definitely would. You're you representing
1: know. your own people, you're aren't yeah,
0: you? your own country as well. You don't get any bigger than the World Cup. And not only that, where we went in the World Cup, you know, we went yeah. just that before than what would have been expected. Got to the quarterfinal, playing Italy and Rome, you know, and that, getting there through the, the game before, a beating Romania in the in the penalty shootout, you know, everything was just incredible, you know, and the buzz back home was amazing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, th- that that was the highlight, really.
1: I've watched that really brilliant documentary about Jack Charlton. I'm not sure they you've oh, seen yes, it in a couple of years. It, of course, it's yes. Incredible.
0: Yeah, it was. It was the yeah. Irish
1: people just really took yeah, him. Yeah, they
0: took to him. Well, he, he, he did a great job for the Irish people, you know, in terms of what he did with the football team. But he was fortunate. He had a hell of a team at his mm-hmm. disposal.
2: Any stories about Jack?
0: There's one that, that in, I think was in, the, it was in the World Cup qualified for 90. I think, Jack, uh, we were playing two games away. We were playing Latvia and Lithuania. And um, we go over there, and he says, oh, by the way, I came to see them play, and he pulls out literally the back of a cigarette pack. He says, I forgot me notes, and uh, so I've written down a couple of things here at the time. He said, they mightn't be the best because the, the glasses, I realised, were me reading glasses, you know, so unfortunately, <laughs> I'll do my best here. <laughs> so he goes through, and he goes, well, this is the team, and um, this fella here, Marius, is a playmaker. He wants to do that, uh, you know, and one of the fella says, Jack, but we're playing Lithuania. He plays for Latvia. Yeah, but we're playing them next week anyway. So what I'm telling you now, you can apply that to what happens then. So we all go, okay, that'll do us, Jack. That's fine. Brilliant. Improvi-
2: oh,
1: brilliant.
2: Improvised. Brilliant.
1: So you had the Euros of 1988, World Cup in 1990. And then in 1994, you went to the World Cup again. You yeah. were 38?
0: Yeah, I was 38 going to the World Cup in '94.
1: How were the legs back then? Were you the, still feeling...
0: Uh, it was just about getting on the plane more than anything. I remember Ronnie feeling myself. Um, we were kind of like, jeez, I wonder where we make it. And we went, we played a game against Holland away. It was one of these um, a friendly before going. Um, maybe a few months before Jack had picked the, the squad to go. And I remember we beat them 1-0 or something like that. And Ronnie and I, we did well. So I, I remember the feeling of going... Hey, we're we the plane. In. Yeah. We're, in. We're, we're, we're on that plane. You know, we were going away. You know, Because... We so wanted to be part of the the group because there was such crack yeah. among the Irish lads going. They'll all say about it. Even going back to days when you'd be playing, you could be playing Cyprus away in a friendly. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody would run a million miles from that. Oh, no. We would run a million miles to get there because the crack we enjoyed among ourselves, even yeah. players with, you know, injuries on a Saturday playing for their club would say to the manager, oh, well, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I can make it, you know. And we just enjoyed each other's camaraderie so, so much. You know? And I
1: suppose when you get to 38 as well, like when you're young in your early 20s, you don't appreciate winning things the same as when you're older at the end of your yes. career, do you? So
0: it's, it's those true. moments are. And you know it's coming to an end, and you yes. knew this is going to be the last, the last stint, the last goal as well. And in some ways, would you believe it? I, I went over there in training, and Jack wasn't sure who his centre backs were going to be. He knew it was going to be Paul was going to be one. Who was going to play alongside mm-hmm. Paul? I would have been in with a chance but literally two or three days into training over there I pulled my hamstring so that ruled me out and in some ways I think I might have Who been. was you
2: playing for then Kev? What? Which wh- club which, which club were you playing Blackboard. for? How long was your Blackburn for then? I finished in 94 so it was at the end of the season So, so three days into into the World Cup you pulled so your, your hamstring you were gone
1: by then? You were
2: No when, when, uh, when did you go? No, You, you went in
1: there. 94
2: didn't you? I, I left I left Yeah Well you would have left at the end of the season the end of the yeah, You would have started out, yeah. at, the, at the beginning
0: of the season Yeah Yeah we left at the same time.
1: So that was in 1994. That's when you first retired because obviously you told us at the start of the podcast you're retired now, but that's when you first retired <laughs> yeah. from, football. Uh, from football. Was it a difficult decision? Surely
0: by then you... Oh, no, no. It wasn't. I, I, I had another opportunity to um, to um play. I think Graham Sharp at the time was manager of, of Oldham. And a few months after that, he, after I'd kind of like finished, he came to me and said, would you play? And I went, no. I, I said, I just... I decided then. Oh, I'd had enough then as well. And at the time, I could have after I finished playing football with Blackburn Rovers. Kenny Dalglish was the manager, yeah. and Ken- Kenny offered me a job as the reserve team manager. Right. Yeah. And he said, if I needed you, I might call on you to play. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more in control of what I was going to do myself. So at that time. I knew Paul Stretford well, yeah. and Jesper Olsen as well. And the three of us got together and we set up, at the time, proactive sports
1: management. There's a bit of a recurring theme here. You've been turning us down for our podcast for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you turned down Dave Sexton initially. <laughs> You've turned down Kenny Taglish. <laughs> I love that though. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you set up the sports agency, yeah. which, which you were all seeing. Which
2: see. I which, danger. Which yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Did you nice. enjoy
1: that side of the game? Because that was probably quite a new <clears> thing as well.
2: It was, but
0: funny enough, it was Paul that ran very much the sports side of it. You know, Jesper and I did, and we might have helped to maybe get some players in or something like that, but we weren't the agents as such. Paul and I, uh, Jesper and I ran the um, the hospitality side of it. So we did a lot of hospitality here with the club. We did outside hospitality as well. I remember, as you said, we started that up in 94. In 96, Jesper must have brought over something in the region of about two, two to 3,000 supporters and the Danish FA for the European Championships were held in ninety six. Of
2: course, uh, yeah.
0: In in, yeah. in 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 England, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they were based out of um, Manchester. So we did a lot of that sort of hospitality and fun at the time.
1: I suppose uh, your degree that you did many years earlier, which you didn't use for a long time, that must have really But that come didn't in come handy. into
0: play because um when you look at the overall group, um the proactives as well, I was kind of the financial guy. So that would have yeah. been my background as well from yeah. it. So it did lend, lend to that, that I knew that part of the business then yeah. as well. So that helped.
1: Incredible career.
0: Yes, very fortunate.
1: And you said at the start, I'm not sure whether you said it to us coming into the room or whether we were recording at the time, but so many people have asked you to write a book.
0: Yeah, I have been asked numerous occasions and I've, I've kind of like shied away from it because I didn't want a bland book. And then at the same time, if I wanted to do a book and tell it warts and all, do I really want to upset people? So the answer kind of was no. And then I thought about a documentary. And then that's when um, recently there... Tell a us about that, Yeah, A person I know quite well, Des Cattle, who was a, a journalist, the commentator for RTE over in Ireland, had mentioned it to me before. He said to me, Kevin, he says, you know, you've got a great story to tell. I said, I do know that. He says, would you ever think about a documentary? And I thought, oh, that kind of makes a little bit of sense, you know? Mm. So I did think about that and I said to him yeah we're willing to go with that so he put the, the production team together and and everything and he got in some great people then as well to do it and they came over and we did it at different times as well and mm-hmm. it was released there a few weeks ago on RTE and I think it went down very well
1: so it's on RTE if anybody wants to watch that and we will be awaiting the book you have to do a book <laughs> some incredible stories
0: I leave the book aside
1: <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and thank you, it's taken what, two, two and a half years but Maisie finally grinded you down yeah, and, yeah. and here you are yeah, yeah.
0: Well, cheers guys great, great to see Maisie Absolutely. again, you looking Brilliant. as well as ever and you Helen, thank you've you. done a few things before on,
1: <laughs> I know. on, on MUTV to, I know, it used to be great days having um, all you guys on MUTV and whenever you were mentioning the team and I'd said great guys, Arthur Robbo
0: Mm, just such yeah, great yeah.
1: genuine people
0: uh, we, we're, we're all so fortunate when we look back you know I mean the, all the careers we've had you look at the different teams you played with and you just go what a life so yeah. lucky we'll end it there
2: so lucky
1: thank you Kevin
2: cheers, Kevin cheers guys
1: what an incredible story I mean I've read stuff about Kevin yeah. and knew that he played Gaelic football but to the extent of actually signing for Manchester United and still going home
2: Incredible, unbelievable. <laughs> to play in secret. unbelievable. But how on earth has this club not even known that I know,
1: it's he's gone back home? Brilliant story. It's class,
2: isn't it? What a guy. What a guy. I'm so glad that we've eventually got him on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Because gentleman, I, I would have hated
2: he? to have missed not having him in on. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's absolutely brilliant.
1: And as I said to him, he needs to write a book. I think he's been very humble there when there's. He said he didn't want it to be bland. So I'm like, this, oh, it be bland. anything but bland. It
2: certainly won't be bland. I mean, some of the stories he must have, also with United and with Ireland as well, with Jackie and Jack Charlton. Unbelievable.
1: I know that you touched on it in the podcast when Kevin was there, but what sort of a player was he? And he talked a lot about what he taught you. You talked yeah. about that. What, what were those things?
2: He, he would literally talk you through a game and that sounds really weird and strange but when you've got somebody with so much experience he'd just point you in the right way and he'd rollick you on the game but then he would put his arm around you in the dressing room or in the bar after it or even a couple of days later in training to explain the reason why he did what he did just an unbelievable leader they don't make captains like him anymore and that's the only way I could probably say it you know you look at past captains of this club the likes of Robbo Kev at Blackburn just phenomenal mm-hmm. leaders absolutely phenomenal and, and what a great player as well
1: mm-hmm.
2: great player to say he came over as, as a right back and next minute he's flying in around the world or over to America just playing Gaelic football It's
1: then a centre back then a right midfielder yeah
2: but well, even to win the All Ireland, how many did he win? Two? Three?
1: Two. Unbelievable. It's FA Cups. Mental. Yeah, he's won some incredible things and had incredible memories. He talked, didn't he, about playing for Ireland in the World Cups and the Euros.
2: Yeah, and that fame. Do you know what we didn't do? We didn't touch on it as much as what we should have done. The Barcelona game
1: here. I know. So many players from that generation say that was the best game.
2: Atmosphere, yeah
1: atmospherically they've ever played in
2: yeah but no absolute legend, absolute legend of this club absolutely brilliant i loved him to be
1: like yourself may
2: ah well no he's, he's takes one to know one he's a superstar he is a superstar and uh i just hope that everybody who's listened to this pod has enjoyed it as much as what we have because it's been brilliant
1: it has an absolute pleasure as always Maisie that's it for another episode if you want to get in touch you can email us at unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk please leave a review if you are listening on the usual places and we will see you again soon